All right. Well, let me show you where we're headed today. Um, we have until about 1130, but most likely we'll be done before then. Um, just depends on how many questions you guys have and what type of discussion we get in. But we're gonna look at four things. We're gonna look at the survey that many of you filled out, the results of the survey. We're gonna go quickly through that. Um, then we're gonna look at what's going on around the United States with the EFCA districts nationally. And then we're gonna look specifically at the Western district, um, what we've done and what we're thinking about doing, some of the models that we're flirting with, and then next steps. And so starting with the survey, we had 37 leaders respond to the survey, which we were overwhelmed by. We were very encouraged just to see how engaged um, our leaders and pastors are in our district. And so um, about two thirds of them were lead pastors and then the other third were pastoral staff and ministry leaders. Uh, we were also curious about credentialing and about a quarter of our pastors are credentialed with the EFCA. There's another third of them that are planning to or in the process. For example, that's where I'm at. I'm ordained through a local church in LA, and yet um, I'm transferring my ordination currently, finishing up the paper to be ordained through the EFCA. And then just under half are not credentialed through the EFCA. That doesn't mean that they're not credentialed or ordained. It just means not necessarily through the EFCA. So there were three sections to the survey. Um, the first section had to do with you as a pastor or leader and your relationship with the Western District. And then the second one was similar in that it was the Western District and your local church. So some of the questions seemed a little bit redundant, but they were more applying to your church, not just you as a leader. And then the third section has to do with the future of the Western District. So these first two questions, I'm just gonna briefly, like I said, go over the results. Um, everything that you see listed here is in order of frequency. And so the first thing that was listed most frequently to this question, how can the district serve you as a leader? Everybody, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people said, we just want the district to pray for us, encourage um, and promote and create opportunities for fellowship. And so um, that's, what some of them said the district had been doing and they want that to continue. Other things that were listed were training and resources. Um, lots of people mentioned how appreciative they are of the cohorts and even networking with other local churches in their geographic area. And then there were some other miscellaneous things at the bottom like pulpit supply, um, wanting to know what was going on, not just in the district, but the national level, and then um, supporting them um, individually through some of the challenges and transitions. Um, how can you serve the district um, as a leader? We were very encouraged as a board seeing this. I think every pastor pretty much said, hey, this is how I want to help, which was amazing to see that um, you as pastors want to be involved and that you have a kingdom mindset. You're not just thinking about, you know, your four walls and the ministry in your own trench, but you're like, I want to be there for others. And so, again, the first thing that was mentioned most frequently was encouragement and relationships with other pastors. And as I've traveled around getting to know some of the pastors in our district, um, I do see that that is a need. Like there are a lot of pastors that feel isolated. They feel alone. They're coming out of COVID, a little bit of COVID shock, just figuring out how do I replant or revitalize my church? And what do I do with this somewhat new group of people I have now? And so Anyways, that was encouraging to see that there is the need for that, and there is a desire of other pastors to offer that. And then you guys can read the rest, but um, 
pretty much everybody filled something out saying, Hey, this is my background with my professional, with training that I've received in whether it be preaching or, you know, I'm pretty good at vision casting and I love discipleship or I love evangelism. And so um, we were encouraged and by what um, all of you guys were wanting to offer the district. The second section had to do with the local church and the Western district. And so the first question was, how can the district serve your local church? And that's pretty similar and overlaps with how can the district serve you as a leader? Um, and so you'll see that a lot of those um, are the same, but a few of them that are different were like the partnership with church planting. Um, there are, there seems to be a desire in a lot of the churches to be involved in church planting, but they don't know how they don't, they know that in and of themselves, they can't uh, house or train up or fully finance a church plant, but they want to be a part of it in some way, shape or form. And so that was mentioned several times. Um, it was also mentioned just their desire to be connected with the greater body um, that they wanted to know about what other churches in their district in their denomination were up to. Um, few of the churches were definitely appreciative of the time that Neil put in. That was throughout the survey, just how appreciative people were of what Neil did in helping, whether with their with elders or ch their church when it was in crisis or when it was in transition. And so, um, again, if you're still in relationship with Neil, reach out to him, encourage him as God puts him on your mind. What are your local church's needs? Um, we saw humility in this answer. Um, we didn't see anybody say, hey, we got this. Our church is rocking. Our church, uh, you guys should write a book about our church. Instead, um, you guys were humble, just saying, hey, we have needs, and we would love the district to maybe resource those needs or speak into those needs. So we were encouraged by the humility that we saw in this answer, but also that the things that your church needs are the very things that the church is to be about. Um, so evangelism, mission, community engagement, those were listed most often. Then discipleship, church health, and things of that sort. And so we're looking forward to in the next few months and years, seeing how we can take some of you that have offered your help and um, your giftings to the district and pair you with some of the pastors and the local church needs. The final question in this section was, how can your local church serve the district? Let me just say, at the end of this, going through this, I'll finish this up in a couple minutes, just the survey results. I'm going to ask you what observations um, that you are seeing in these answers. And so just kind of be thinking, read between the lines, so to speak, connect the dots. Um, what observations do you see of our leaders, our churches, and our district as a whole? So with this question, how can your church serve the district? Um, financial contribution was mentioned, partnership with sister churches. Um, facility usage. Some people said, you know, hey, we have a great facility. We'd love to open it up for a conference or a gathering or a cohort, things of that sort. And then the final section had to do specifically with the Western District. And here were the questions. Let's tunnel into those. So what are the strengths of the Western District? It was listed the DLD. That's the, our annual conference the first Monday of May uh, of March in Vacaville. Also, several mentioned the Disengage, which is the marriage conference that Neil and Judy put on each year in Sacramento. Uh, many listed how much they love the cohorts and the connection, the relationships that come out of that. Uh, you guys also mentioned just the leaders um, 
not necessarily, you know, just the DS or the board, but just there is an ethos of humility and transparency and godliness. Um, and in the district leaders in general, the pastors. And so that was mentioned, the character of the leaders. And then um, many people mentioned that they're thankful that the Western District is focused on the gospel and also focused on relationships, loving one another. What is the purpose of the Western District? Some people put like, I have no idea. Um, but some, uh, most of you put these things down. So pastoral support seemed to be mentioned most frequently. That the main point of the Western District is just keep me encouraged, keep my pastor encouraged. And then second to that was supporting and developing the, the church. And then the last question of the survey dealing with the Western District is what type of leader would you like to see in the DS role? And again, I think um, just to again mention Neil, he embodied so many of these. And so again, as God puts Neil on your mind, encourage him. He has the same phone number. Um, you can use his district email address. It's still active. Send him an email, a text, a phone call, encourage him. Um, the type of leader, like I said, Neil embodied somebody that is relational, compassionate, pastoral, someone you guys want in the DS that loves Jesus in the local church, someone who's communicative and transparent, a trainer and equipper. And then finally, this was mentioned a few times, a current practitioner in the local church, somebody who is eldering or pastoring at a local level. So, Here's a question. You guys can unmute yourself. Uh, we want to we open it up for a few minutes, but what insights do you observe from the survey? As you heard me explain it, and as you read some of the bullet points, any observations, insights, takeaways? Uh, we're not alone in the ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Anything else? seems to me like a lot of us are in similar places. It seems like a lot of, a lot of responses uh, highlight that lots of churches uh, have, have very similar needs right now. Yeah, good. Thanks for sharing that, Martel. One more. One more. The, there seems to be a, a theme of pastors wanting connection and partnership with each other. Yep. Absolutely. Thanks for that, Paul. Anybody else? Yeah, in response to Paul, um, one of the things that I think is absent is any intention for congregations to feel a part of the EFCA. Mm. In other words, you know, pastors connect and associate and you know love one another. But one of the reasons why I prompted one of the churches I served to become part of the EFCA was so that the congregation would feel part of a larger body of Christ. Oh, there'd be some consistency in the missiology, you know, the theology where the church would head it would, would yeah. be headed after I left because I've mostly served in independent Bible churches. Yep. And I've noticed that, you know, when the pastor leaves the whole, you know, yeah. the church could go in any direction depending on who mm -hmm. they call or who the you know an elder or leaders of the church happen to 
yeah. how they might be persuaded. So anyway, I'd love to see uh, congregations in my church anyway, feel more connected and passionate and interested in uh, EFCA, you know, our, you know, Good. you know, sister congregations. Good. Thanks for that, Steve. Yeah, Matt, I noticed that there, there's not a lot of requests for Bible and theology. I think we're good on that. Um, <laughs> where, where, where we need help is the work of the ministry. And 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 I think specifically, um, I've been engaging with, with some groups around revitalization that are kind of national groups and stuff like that. But uh, I think we, especially in, in Northern California, we have very unique problems than the rest of the churches in the nation. We don't just have pandemic problems. We have mass exodus problems mm. and we're all like, like, what, what are we doing? How do we, mm. how do we you know, wrestle with this? It's good. Thanks, Jeff. All right. A few takeaways that we saw as a board were um, biblical priorities. And that was encouraging um, that you as leaders we're focused on what God wants us to focus on, evangelism of the yet to believe, discipleship of those who believe, and just being word-centered. We saw those things in the responses. Also, the pastoral engagement um, and ownership, just the fact that 37 people of our 50 to 52 churches um, took part in the survey, and then uh, how responsive the I mean, basically, the question that I mentioned earlier, just that, how can you serve the district? Um, lots of pastors spent time on that and shared different things that they've done in the past and different resources that you had. So we were encouraged by that. I think if we saw something like if we saw like only 10 pastors respond and they were, didn't really fill it out, we'd be like, dude, our district is in shambles. It's in crisis. But we saw just the opposite. And then finally, a desire for kingdom partnerships and collaboration. I think oftentimes we can look just in our own trench, as I've said, just between our own four walls and the fact that there is a desire to link arms with people um, that are close by doing similar, that are similarly minded, like-minded. And so that was cool to see the kingdom mindedness um, in the results. All right, Miguel, you have your hand raised. Yeah, to your point, to that last point, Matt, I think um, I'm curious because I've only, well, are there, is there some kind of platform, whether it's <coughs> Facebook or some other social platform where there can be engagement uh, between pastors and churches and leaders? Is that something that, because I feel pretty, you know, passionate about helping make that happen, you know, those, yeah. those kingdom partnerships. Um, and I thought like WhatsApp might be a good solution. Yeah. But yeah, is there any thoughts on that? Yeah, the, in the past, I know when I first became a church planter, Andrew Hoffman, you had a Facebook group page that I was a part of providing resources for, I think it was church plants, right, Andrew? Yeah. So we've had that in the past. And then Miguel, I know what you're doing in the East Bay with the WhatsApp app. That's amazing. I don't think more broadly we have anything. I don't I know we don't have anything for the whole district. I know that each cohort has some group texts and things like that. And so I would love to pick yeah, your I think, on that. Yeah, I think I think you correct me if I'm wrong, Miguel, but you're asking about like more uh, throughout the year, correct? Like in yes, ongoing, it, 
Right. It'd be an organic way of um, having ongoing dialogue, conversation, prayer, whatever, um, through some kind of social platform or um, text or technology platform that would connect us. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, because I was going to say that there is the DLD, um, which kind of is the physical kind of once a year place where a lot of that happens. But I don't that I, I think your point to your point of something ongoing, that's that's really good feedback. So appreciate you sharing that. Thanks, Miguel. <clears throat> All right. If there's no other thoughts or questions, we're going to move on to the next section here. So the EFCA National, what's going on around the nation? Um, so we're, we got two parts to this. What are the other ministries other districts are doing and what are the other models? And so big picture, I realized that um, I think all of you have been part of the EFCA for a bit. The last time the other town hall meeting, we had some new church pastors that didn't even have any understanding of the EFCA. But um, there's about 15, 1600 churches across the United States broken up into 17 different districts. We, the Western District, are one of them. And for the most part, um, we do things very similarly um, and have similar ministries, but there are some uniquenesses. And so I wanted to point those out just so we kind of know how God is using other districts. And so I talked to several DSs, um, talked to Kevin, the president of the EFCA, and then I perused around many of the websites and these are the ministries that are listed on most of the websites um these first four seem to be pretty much every district practices so the first one church multiplication obviously that's part of the efca mission statement um, secondly church vitality that's the, the way the efca east phrased it and i really like that that includes leadership development church revitalization. Also, when a church is in crisis or transition, um, many of them have either a paid person or a team that works that ministry. Uh, the third one was pastoral care, which included cohorts, meetups, mentorship, discipleship, encouragement, things of that sort. And then um, it was frequently listed all peoples. And all peoples was more broadly than more, the definition was more broad than just multi-ethnic. It was including multi-class, but also things like recovery ministry, special needs ministry. I know Isaac Daly, that was, um, he's part of our district. He's the executive pastor at Valley Church. He um, promotes a champions club for special needs kids. And he goes around to different churches on the West Coast and helps them get started. And so they have an amazing special needs program. And so at Valley. Um, so anyways, all people's includes people that we sometimes overlook or we don't give adequate attention to. Um, and then finally, there was just this miscellaneous, um, miscellaneous ministries that many of the districts focused on, ministry to women, women in leadership, credentialing, theology training, next generation. Some of the larger districts have this. Um, that would be high school ministry and such. And then resource development. Now, as far as the models, um, most districts have a full-time DS with specialized teams, depending upon the size of the district. So you have a full-time DS where that person is doing most of the ministry and then depending upon pastoral engagement in the district and even the finances of the district, they'll either hire some specialists to focus on some of these uh, ministries that I mentioned. 
The other model that seems to be practiced and um, is being practiced in a few of the districts, the EFCA East has been practicing model two, as as the New England district over the last few weeks has been transitioning to this. So it's having a bivocational DS with a plurality of practitioners. And so what that means is you have a DS that's partial time, um, and then he is also serving in a local church, like as in a lead pastor position or an elder position. And so uh, this model, um, as I've talked to those DSs that are doing this, they love this. Uh, the reason that they moved that direction was um, some of it was personal in that they had such a heart still for the local church and they were missing their calling specifically to the local church. But a lot of them, they thought it was better for the district, not just to hear from one voice, but to have, as it says, a plurality of practitioners, uh, multiple voices speaking in, um, multiple people being able to help out with a church in crisis or a pastor in transition. So those are the two models. Obviously, there's some shades in between those two, but those are the ones that are being practiced right now. Now, I'm going to talk about how this possibly relates to the EFCA in the Western District, but do you guys have any questions about the ministries that are being practiced in the different districts around the United States for the two models? When you say the ministries that are being practiced, is this, um, like, is this the Western, are there like teams that are doing this or, or who's doing this ministry? So it's these ministries, um, the way Glenn Shriver puts it, he's the DS for the EFCA Southeast District. He calls them these four stalls, these four buckets. These are the four areas or five areas that the district churches um, are requesting help with. And so depending upon the size of the district, they may have an individual person that heads up and is paid a stipend to head up each of these areas. You know, in a part part time capacity, this person is typically a district pastor that gives a day a month or two days a month to this ministry. And then they develop a team around them of volunteer pastors to do that. So similar to what Drew is doing um, here in our district with the multiplication team. Cool. Does that answer your yeah. question? It does. Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been a part of EFCA for about 10 years with Solano and I mean, I just came on as a pastor a few months ago, but to me, this is sort of being so close to it. It still feels very removed. So mm -hmm. I'm learning and yep. maybe you all have like way more insight than I do, but um, as yeah, it's, I don't know, somehow engaging with more of these ministries or being aware of them. Yep. That'd be super helpful. Well, to answer your question specifically as it relates to the Western District, we don't have all of these teams. We have a multiplication team. And Neil in the past had functioned as the guy who helps with church vitality, pastoral care, along with different cohort leaders that he tapped the shoulder of. We didn't really have an all people's team. And then we have a guy, Patrick Allen, who does credentialing. Um, Mike Ernst in Auburn does theology training. And so we have some of these people, um, but they're not necessarily teams. I would say the team that's most developed is the multiplication team that Drew heads up. So, cool. so that, the, is it is, is so is the DS's job to 
build up these teams? Um, it could be, it depended on the model to either uh, create teams to meet these needs or he himself meet these needs. Okay. So if you have a full-time DS that sometimes limits your other financial resources. And so the DS has to be uh, all things to all people. So, okay. yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm leading a, a, a class on, you know, uh, trying to build cultural understanding with, we have multi-ethnic church. Yep. So I, I'd love to be able to tap into some resources or training or whatever that, yep. the, that the district offers. But what I'm hearing is this is more of the goal, but it's not really actually present. Um, yeah, it's a good, good observation. This isn't, this isn't even, I would say the goal. Um, I'm just sharing with you what's going on around the United States right now. Um, I'll share with you in just a second, our goals for ministries for the Western district, but this is just a snapshot of what other DSs and districts deemed important. They said, Hey, here are the four stalls, four buckets of ministry that we focus on to resource our churches. Mm. So. Hey Matt, I like the idea of the, um, the model of the kind of, you know, half and half DS. Yep. In theory, I'm, I'm wondering what are your thoughts on the practicality of that for us, given the like pretty good sized geographic range our district covers. Good. All right. So you guys are starting to ask questions related to the Western district, which is awesome. Um, so Jeff, let me transition there. And then that we'll come back to that question because it's a good one. So potential ministries of the Western District and then potential models for the Western District. Okay, so how we came up with the ministries were we looked around the United States. What are other districts doing? I talked to other DSs, found out what they seem to be about. But then we also gleaned some information from those surveys and then conversations I've been in with many of you um, about how you would love to see the district serve you as a leader and then your local church. And so these are the four or five areas that we would like to focus on going forward with the Western District. So the first one, obviously, church multiplication. Um, and then also, um, I put into there uh, global missions. So uh, reach the reach network. And so we already have this. And so continuing to do that, as many people mentioned in the surveys, they would love to be part of church partnership, church planting things. Church Vitality, um, that is a team that we want to develop, um, which would include leadership development, but also revitalization. So I think, Jeff, you mentioned earlier just the weird spot that we are here, that we find ourselves in in California, where there's this mass exodus. And then even coming out of COVID, we have new people, or maybe we have less people, um, but we feel kind of the need to replant ourselves or rebrand ourselves. or um, So having resources and people that can help with that. Like I was talking to a pastor a few weeks ago and he was saying, I'm encouraged my church is flatlined. I don't know really where to go. Don't know what to do. I'm just kind of lost. And so if we had a team, we could tap and be like, hey, this pastor, he's wanting help. He's not ready to quit. Um, can we come alongside of them? And then churches in transition or crisis. Um, I think in the past uh, we have reacted, which is fine. Like we'll find out, like I found out more recently that a 
pastor is transitioning um, that we didn't know about. And so it'd be nice to know, you know, months in advance if we could, so that we could come alongside of that church to see if we as a district can come in and help, or if we tap the shoulder of IPM, Interim Pastoral Ministries, to see if they would come in. But anyways, having a person that's freed up to do this and a team around them that would focus on church fatality. Pastoral care. Um, we've had the cohorts. We've had the meetups, uh, mentorship. I met with a pastor this last week who said how much he had appreciated Neil and um, Neil mentoring him monthly. And so I think to continue to develop that out, not just through the DS, but there's other pastors. Like I said, the thing that was listed most frequently by pastors was they would love to encourage other pastors in the district. And so all that to say, one second, somebody else is coming in. We would love to have a team that makes those connections and even a list of pastors that say, hey, I have the bandwidth to meet up with a guy once a month and encourage him. So all peoples, this is something that I'm passionate about. Um, obviously we have a multi-ethnic, multi-class church. And so just, um, I think many of us would admit that we see our neighborhoods around our churches changing but maybe our demographic in our church is not. And so what do we do with that? How do we handle that? Uh, as you guys know, multi-ethnic is a totally different beast than multi-class. Um, how do we be family with people that um, are in a different economic bracket than us? Um, and so that team would also include special needs. Um, there was, it was mentioned in the survey uh, there's many rural churches and a couple of pastors have said, we feel forgotten. We feel like there's been a push towards urban ministry, but us in the rural setting, we feel like we need some help. We need some resources because it's a unique beast out here. And then theology and credentialing. Uh, right now, Patrick is overwhelmed uh, with uh, a lot of people in the pipeline um, in a good way. He loves it. He just got, he had hip surgery. So he's laid up with a cane right now. But um, so he can read all these papers. He just got done reading mine. But to have a team of people that can help, um, Patrick told me yesterday that it takes about 10 or 12 hours of his time to walk somebody through the credentialing process from, hey, I just want information to can you read my paper to getting the council together to then uh, getting the transcript sent off to BOMS, um, the Board of Ministerial Standing. And so, anyways. I've tunneled in a little bit too much, but these are the four or five areas that we see our district needing and wanting, and also pastors in our district wanting to step up and resource and lead in. Any questions about this before I go to the models, the potential models for our district? Do you guys see anything missing here or anything that might need to be teased out more? Okay. All right. We can circle back to this, but here are the two models that we're thinking through. The first one is the senior pastor model for lack of a better term. So it's what we've had um, in the past here in the, uh, the Western district and it's worked. Um, so this model is having a full-time DS and this person is, we would want them to be, we wouldn't say this is a requirement, but a request um, and a desire from the board that they would be a member of a local EFCA church. 
And this full-time DS would meet most of the needs of district ministry. Obviously not all of them, but meet most of the needs. Most things would go through him. If there was a church in crisis, he would step in. If there was pulpit supply, he would meet that need. If there was a pastor needing encouragement, most likely he would be on the phone with them. Um, as far as the ministry teams, so I listed uh, these teams potentially. They would all be volunteers. And so you would have district pastors volunteering to lead a team and then district pastors volunteering to serve on one of those teams. And why I say volunteering is because with a full-time DS, our district wouldn't be able to afford, you know, stipends, multiple stipends or three or four or five stipends for ministry team leaders. So that's the senior, uh, senior pastor model that we've seen work here for the last couple of decades in our district. And it is still being practiced successfully in other districts around the United States. The model that I would say that we're curious about as a board and looking into more is the plurality of practitioners model. So it's where you have a partial time DS who's also a pastor. And what we mean by partial time, 20, 25, 30 hours, somewhere in there with the district and also serving as a practitioner in a local EFCA church, whether it be lead pastor or in a paid elder or pastoring some type of ministry, they would be boots on the ground doing the work of ministry while at the same time uh, meeting most, some of the needs of the district personally. So that second bullet point, meeting the need, the district needs personally and through teams. And so this person would be freed up by the district to meet needs, but they would be facilitating connections and networking pastors together. And this person wouldn't feel the need to, uh, anytime a pastor needs pulpit supply, they wouldn't have to meet it. So I met with a, a former EFCA pastor who lives here in Sacramento now. He was the pastor of our Susanville church and is retired here in Sacramento. And he told me a couple of weeks ago, he's like, I loved pulpit supply. Um, so if any pastors need that, let me know. And so the district superintendent, rather than thinking, how can I meet that need or how can I be that for that church? They would think about that team of people instead to meet those needs. Because the DS would be partial time, they, it would free us up financially to pay some district pastors, three, four or five district pastors to lead one of these uh, ministry teams. So freeing up somebody up like we already have for Drew, but also identifying and freeing up, you know, a couple days a month, something like that. We don't know. Somebody that would lead church fatality, pastoral care, all peoples, theology, things of that sort. So this paid person would then tap the shoulder of uh, pastors they're in relationship with or pastors that they know that would be interested in volunteering um, to serve on that specific team. So again, um, this model we're very curious about, and um, we do see it practiced successfully in a couple of the districts. I wouldn't say that it's trending this way, but um, I do see many churches at a local level moving this way. And so what we've seen with a plurality of elders, or um, there's also a move like even in our local church, myself and Sheridan, we're co-pastoring. So we're both lead pastors. Um, we're seeing at a local church level, this model practiced and at a couple districts around the United States, this model is being practiced. And so we're curious about it and we think that it could possibly serve our district well. So 
again, um, any questions that you may have about these two models? The first one, senior pastor model. The second one, plurality of practitioner model. Um, my initial question about the potential geographic um, yes. obstacles there, but then also I was thinking about uh, if you have somebody, and again, I st I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of give a caveat here. I like the idea, so, but these are just questions. Yep. Um, if you have somebody who's also half time or more or, or more or less whatever at a local church, is there going to be a, a bias of that person to think the needs of the district are similar to their local setting versus somebody who is removed from a local setting, absorbing all the needs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. That could possibly be a weakness. That's a good point, Jeff. Um, the trade-off though, is although they might see it only through their church context, they're at least seeing it through because they're a practitioner, they're seeing it real time, real life through their own ministry demands. And Agreed. so, Agreed. It's not, it, their ministry experience is not historically removed from them. So yes. as far as the geographic thing, our district compared to other districts is pretty small. Um, depending on where the DS lives, um, he can get to most areas in a day trip. Neil would say that where he was placed was not ideal. You know, he moved to San Francisco missionally to live on mission there, but as it related to the district, he said it wasn't ideal um, being in the far southwest corner. So, other questions? I think I think yeah. my re my reason for that is like I enjoy the FaceTime, I mean mm -hmm. the actual face to face time with mm -hmm. um, with the DS. And yep. if it was all Zoom calls, I, I don't know that. Yep. I don't know how well served I would feel by that. Absolutely, that makes sense. And I think one thing as well is we would want to, you know, similar at a local level where we don't want the pastor to have to be at everything. Like somebody's in the hospital, like it can be an elder. An elder can go and be just as good, if not better. We think the district could possibly be better served if rather than the DS goes to every crisis or every pulpit supply, um, tap the shoulder of who is actually best equipped for it. Um, and them to not be on Zoom necessarily, but to be present for it. Yeah. That's good, thanks. Mm -hmm. Other questions about the models? I'll flip back and forth. Yes, Martel. I'm just kind of curious if you've had conversations about this. It sounds like you have with other districts, but just the, um, you know, as I digest the possibility of uh, ministry teams, district yep. ministry teams. Um, any any word or feedback on what the commitment looks like if you were to be volunteering on a ministry team, what that might look like, time commitments, travel commitments, things like that? Yeah, that's good. So district ministry in general, from watching Neil and what he shared with me, is seasonal. Um, and so it hits hard sometimes, and then it's just quiet. And so I think uh, unlike local church ministry, it's, there's just a regular rhythm to it. And so, for example, um, going back here, I think the church fatality team would have a lot of work. Uh, just in the two months that I've been doing the associate DS role, uh, there's been three new pastors that have come in and two that are outgoing. And that's just in three months. So 
having a team and not to mention, so that, that falls into the church in transition, not necessarily crisis, but also there's been a few churches that have talked to me about them wanting some resources to be revitalized. Um, so this team, I think would be most active. Um, I think some of these other teams, like all people's teams, that would be kind of looking on the horizon. How can we create this as an ethos of our district? Multiplication, again, there can be a longer timeline because it's like, who's in the pipeline? Who are the pastors that we're identifying? What churches are wanting to come alongside? Things of that sort. So to answer your question specifically, it depends on the team. And then also, obviously, it depends on um, the pastor's availability of how much they can give to that team. Matt, could I say something to that real quick? Yes. Um, a lot of it, even when Neil came and said, hey, Drew, we'd love for you to play this role. It's our passion as a church to help with multiplying joyful communities of faith. And so it wasn't necessarily adding anything different than what we we're already doing at a local church or what my passion is as a leader. And so that's part of what the surveys was cool to see, of course, is what are the passions God's already uniquely gifted and designed you guys all for and how are we better together? Mm -hmm. um, and so that's been fun. I'm, I'm in this role for a few years. Andrew did that role for a few years. Um, and so there's volunteer type spaces as well as staff roles um, that I don't think you're adding instead of just redeeming and multiplying what you're already doing with a higher leverage impact for kingdom movement. So um, that's one perspective from a guy that sat in one of those seats. Um, and then also, Jeff, to kind of your comment, uh, I've gotten the privilege of watching districts do this really well um, as far as the team approach. And even on a micro level at Vintage, I'm still the lead pastor, but I have a lead team that does a lot of the ministry that I don't because they do it better than I do, um, because they're actually going to crush in certain areas, and I'm going to be a stumbling block in those areas. And sure. so it's made our whole church way more healthy um, in every possible way. So I'm still the lead pastor, or we could still have a you know lead district superintendent that's not necessarily the guy that's leading everything, because there's other people that are better equipped in those areas of leadership. Sure. I was going to just throw in too, one of the things we talked about at the board regarding like, you know, to the question about the geography and the distance, um, I think there definitely are, are key things like cohorts and, and others where we would expect and want the DS to be present, but uh, recognizing the DS can be omnipresent, right? So if, if the DS is scheduled to, you know, speak somewhere, but then, you know, the, the, the DS learns that uh, at another church, uh, there's going to be an installation or, you know, then again, there's a team of people that can, I, on a Sunday, as just an example, be in more than one place, whereas yeah. it's just one full-time person um, yep. that's going to limit. So that was just one additional comment. Yeah, I appreciate that insight, Paul and Drew. Um uh, back in early spring, uh, when Neil was with us, there was a time where uh, a Sunday where he needed to be in two places at once. And so he sent me to Red, uh, not Red, in Chico with Rick for his installation service, at the Chico Church. And then he was in San Francisco serving one of the churches. And so um, there's times where he's run into that. Um, and also, I just wanted to mention that this whole idea of a plurality of practitioners, like no one guy can be all things to all people and have the right wisdom. Um, I mean, we can fake it. Us pastors are good at, you know, pretending that we can. Um, but um, I think to have pastors that are specialists in these areas that are willing to step up and lean in and lead 
and Drew kind of mentioned this, but like these pastors that are serving, um, Drew, maybe you can mention this with vintage, like vintage sees this as even their ministry to the district. Like you're, it's not only just you as the pastor that's serving the district, but the church is bought into what you're doing with the district as well and aware of it and sees them part of it. Correct. Yeah. So like our elders recognize that my role as lead pastor at Vintage Grace uh, is not just a, a micro church role. By my, I just mean like my local church is all I mean by micro church. But like it's not just right here. It's that we are better together. And so um, it's truly our elder board. And go back to Steve's comment, you know, where it's like, do we recognize that we're a part of something bigger than ourselves? Um, and how do we get to participate in that? Well, when you're telling your board, you know, in Ukiah, hey, actually, I'm in Sacramento for a day because of X, Y, Z. And then they get to see, wow, our Ukiah ministry is a lot bigger than just Ukiah. Not that Ukiah is not significant and a big deal, um, but there's just a lot more at play. And so the more that we have that clarity, and I want to be clear, I'm not trying to promote or push anything. I'm just seeing the fruit of what I've seen all over the country and then the fruit here at Vintage as well um, as to what that looks like. So our church is not El Dorado Hills focused at all. Um, it's much broader than that. And as a district, that's a level that we get to play. We've already bought into that, you know, going back to, to Jeff, that idea of like, who are we meeting with? What are we talking about? It's all the same mission. It's make yeah. disciples and make disciples. That's why we're an EFCA church, because we've said that those are the hills we're going to die on. Um, mm. And so it's been fun to see that uh, where, again, our church knows we're EFCA. Um, it's not like it's overplayed, um, but it's very clear. We're a part of a bigger family than mm. just our little church in El Dorado Hills. It's good. Thanks for that, Drew. Any other questions or comments on the models of ministry or potential ministries for the Western District? And sorry, just one last thing. Our church benefits from it. So don't misunderstand me to say this is what we do for the district. We're a better church because of it too. So I just want to clarify that. It's, it's a symbiotic relationship. Um, I'm better because of Mark Buving's investment in my life or Matt's or Andrew's or Paul or whomever. So the church is not just joyfully giving, the church is also joyfully receiving. So good. Hey, Matt, just real quick. Hey, yeah. Thanks, Drew, for all that. That's, uh, that's really encouraging to hear, by the way. Um, just uh, I know this is just a consideration right now. So maybe this is something that's more of you know a bridge to cross if we get there kind of a thing. But just really curious if if the if you if the board uh, do you guys already have people in mind if if we're I get the sense that we we might be heading in this direction um, and if so does the board already have a a, a thought on who who they're thinking of to step in these roles in in terms of you know somebody to lead a ministry team that sort of a thing or or not yet and maybe we're thinking through a process of what it might look like if somebody says, hey, I'm, I'm kind of interested. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I see myself as a, a, a practitioner in this specific area. Um, so just kind of curious as to if there's been any thought for that process of, you know, local local pastors kind of stepping up and maybe serving in those roles if we head in that direction. Good. Uh, let's see. I'll answer a piece of that question and I'll let the board answer another part of that question. So as so board members, if you want to answer the DS piece of it, I'll answer the, the team piece of it. If we decide to go with this model, the plurality of practitioners, um, it's looking at those surveys and also what we know to be true of some of the pastors we're in relationship with and possibly 
brainstorm and then um, tap on their shoulders and see, is this something that you can do? Is this something you want to do? Either be on the team or depending on the pastor's gifting and availability, do you want to lead the team? And so we do have some people in mind. Um, on, well, put it this way. I have some people in mind as I look at these teams, going back to the teams. Um, around this one, I have some ideas. Um, Church Vitality as well. Actually, all of them, I have some ideas, but nothing set in stone because part of it, we got to figure out which model. Both models have ministry teams, but the second model, there's some resources financially that we can put behind it. So, yeah, and um, I can just kind of give you the input just from the board's perspective uh, on this. Um, and Paul, David, and Don, and Matt, correct me if. I'm misrepresenting the board in this and everything, but um, I think that what what you're what you're seeing is kind of the how um, Matt put it is that we're intrigued by the model, but we didn't want to just rush into anything. I think that if because I think one of the questions initially was you know like well Matt's the associate DS, so let's just hire him as a full time DS and move forward and everything, but. Um, because of the season of transition, we wanted to kind of pause before he made any big decisions and say, okay, God, what are you doing here? How are you leading? Um, and so the first step of that um, was to put out the survey. And like Matt said, if we had gotten crickets back, uh, that would have been helpful. It would have been sad, but it would have been helpful for us to kind of know, you know, what some next steps might need to be and everything. And so, um, and so I think the, the purpose of these town hall meetings is just to kind of go over more specific of kind of, we're seeing kind of these two paths forward, um, help us hear your perspective of like, this is dumb, why are we even talking about this one? We should totally do this or, or whatever. Um, and so uh, as far as, I, I do think the first step is um, discerning what model we sense God leading us and for the district uh, moving forward. And then from there, I think that we would look at who candidates are um, both for the DS position and then also for um, the, the different ministry teams, whatever that looked like. Um, but again, we didn't wanna just rush into one, one model or the other. We wanted to use this to kind of discern, okay, what, what's doing that. So um, yeah, hopefully that is helpful and answers your question, but. And I'll just throw in Martel and to the, everyone else um, in, in this time of, you know, transition and seeking the Lord. Part of that is as a board, we want to hear from you. And so that's the survey, obviously, and that's these town halls. But, um, you know, um, reach out to the board um, and obviously, you know, that that and Matt as the associate DS. But, you know, because that might be. A little bit of you know you got some things to share and, and maybe you know because matt's in that associate role and sort of interim role um we're all available and and if we need to reiterate that in some other ways you know we we should do that but we, we want to hear from you cool. thanks paul thanks cassidy for that any other questions that you guys have before we go to the next steps i have a comment uh, you were yeah. asking early on about um um, the different ministry teams and if we saw anything else that might be needed. Um, I was thinking, I, I think the district could really benefit from a, um, a disaster response team, um, especially 
considering you know our everything that's going on but i think that a lot of denominations have that sort of thing on a national level but i think it actually works better on a regional level hmm. and if there was a team in place that had um you know trailers full of you know tools and chainsaws and things like that ready to go and there was a network of men you know ready to respond and that's led by a leader i think and and, and lo our local churches knew there was if there was a disaster if there was a paradise if there was a something like that we knew exactly who to send funds to we knew exactly who to send people to and uh, and there was somebody organizing that and it could be trusted i think that would be really valuable for the district i love that idea i love that that's good thanks jeff yeah, I, I just have a question, Matt, about how you guys are trying to decide which direction to go with part-time or full-time. Are, are you are you basing that on what who's available to do it or what the needs are? Or because yeah. I guess from my vantage point, when I think of the Western District and I think of those five ministries, that seems like a lot of work. Mm -hmm. And we have a big need. So you yeah. know, I'm just wondering, are you guys kind of looking and saying, like, what do we have just like available resources? We we yeah. got to go part time. Are you saying the workload would would support a part time and some paid past some stipend pastors or how yeah. are you deciding? Yeah, so uh, I'll answer that similar to how <clears throat> Paul answered the previous question. So uh, some of it is so we start off by just what's going on around the United States. Let's not just jump into uh, the same model, you know, anytime there's a transition, it's like, okay, let's rethink these things. And so in uh, surveying other districts, we're like, okay, there's not just one model, there's other models that can work. Um, and even talking to Kevin, um, our president, he's like, just do whatever you think is best for the district. Um, so he has no agenda from a national level as to all districts must be like this and do this. And so when we heard about this model, um, this is something that intrigued me personally, because it's something that I practice at a local church level and I see other districts, pa other pastors practicing. We at least wanted to float it out there to everybody. And the feedback that we've received so far from the district has been positive. Like that makes sense. This is cool. Um, we're not opposed to that. That doesn't sound crazy. That seems to make sense. So to answer your question specifically, Right now, we're kind of making some decisions as we're having this conversation. The fact that none of you guys are like, forget that. That's stupid. We want a full-time DS. We haven't had that. Um, and so that intrigues us to the point where we'll probably at our next board meeting, and I'll talk about this in the next steps, where we'll be like, okay, we didn't get any pushback. Oftentimes at a local level, when a church changes tr uh, models or changes the color of the carpet, <clears throat> people you know, get upset, but our response so far with model two, the plurality of practitioners has been uh, a curiosity, pastors being intrigued and even possibly excited about it. So. Yeah. And I would, I would add additionally to that. Um, that's, that's one of the reasons that we're seeking the feedback uh, to Paul's point of, of the district churches and everything is because I mean, it's in the ethos of the EFCA, uh, um, and Matt will talk about that more um, as far as like the practical next steps and everything. But um, I think, yeah, we're just trying to to discern, like get the feedback and everything. 
a lot of the, I would agree with Matt that a lot of the, the feedback that we've gotten has been like, yeah, this makes sense. Like this seems like it's the direction that we should go type of a thing. Um, but I also wanna make sure that we keep the door open for people who are like, yeah, I don't really like it. And whether it's, um, whether it's on these Zoom calls or if it's um, you know just post meeting emails and stuff, we're, we're just trying to collect feedback right now, just so that we don't kind of hit the gas too quickly um, and just kind of plow through into to one direction or the other. So, um, and then Matt, Matt will show, uh, share a little bit about what, uh, what some of the next steps are and then kind of where some of those decision points will be made. I, I guess then my concern with the model plurality of practitioners and I'm acknowledging I'm a one year into this, the EFCA is just productivity. Like, can, can you, like, I'm just wondering if the need is for the, for the district re, at the regional level is like, we need, we need to build up this ministry. We need to, we need to get a lot of energy and productivity and can, can, can that model meet the productivity demands as well as, as the, quote unquote, senior pastor one would be my concern. That's a good point. Thanks, Paul. Can I uh, just weigh in really quickly if your guys were requesting feedback, maybe two or three thoughts here. One is I'm, I'm on, totally on board with the practitioner plurality. If anything, I don't see much of a difference, meaning like ideally, if it's, even if it's a senior pastor, a, a good senior pastor will have a team, right? Uh, and have plurality of, of support. Uh, so it's just more functionally, if that makes sense to fund uh, different people, that, that's totally fine. That's my understanding. Uh, the second thing, the reason why I want to weigh in is like, I do, I think there was a comment about kind of this disconnect between the goals and the kind of the effect of, of our church and as a associate pastor, um, there's kind of a pretty big gap there. And so I, I want to amen that comment a pastor made a while ago about like something ongoing, whether a social network or a social technology yeah. that will help kind of make those connections um, on a more ongoing basis. And not just to receive, but even for our local church to give. Uh, mm -hmm. One of the things that we've committed to do uh, is have a, I'm not sure if you guys have heard of it. It was a grandparenting, a legacy grandparenting summit. Uh, I don't know if anyone's heard about it. First time I heard about it, but we've committed to host it in San Francisco. And it's open to other grandparents of just, you know, that role as a, as in that stage of their life. And so, you know, we're opening that up to other, mm -hmm. um, other, you know, Christians and other churches. So um, anyway, so I just want to, to weigh in in that regard. I love the direction you guys are going and the, the model is fine with me as well. Um, but cool. just to, yeah, just to have it, there's, there's a lot of steps. There's, there's, it's too big of yeah. a leap. Um, so appreciate that, Anthony. I think the the comments about you know how we as pastors have our own teams of specialists and stuff and how helpful that is I think I think it's it's good for consideration but I think we also have to admit that if, if we as pastors and some of you may be but if we were had those teams of specialists but we were working at our role half time we, there's still limitations mm -hmm. yep Good. Thanks for that, Jeff. Well, let me um, go to the Wait, last. Matt, I'm yes. sorry. Can I interrupt for a sec? Go for it. Can you see me? Yep. I'm in trouble. Okay. Yep. Um, just one comment about um, this most recent discussion um, as the finance person. Um, one thing to think about is if we have one 
full-time person, that's where most of our budget would go. So any of these other ministries would be all volunteer. There wouldn't be so much available for stipends. Um, that's just a thought. If it's a um, uh, lesser hours, a, not a half-time, but a part-time person, mm -hmm. then, then you have money to spend on these other leaders. Yeah, thanks for that, Don. All right, let me go to the last slide and I'm gonna share the last slide, which is the next steps. And then I'll ask you any questions about that. But then um, us board members will hang on the line. Um, we're gonna let you go before 1130 here. So if any of you guys wanna just ask us questions. Also, as Paul said, just um, if you have wanna send us an email, you can do that as well. So here are the next steps. So in September, the board is getting together virtually. Um, to discuss the feedback from the town hall meetings, not just now, but also there were three or four pastors that emailed us saying, hey, here's some more of my thoughts. I didn't want to really share it with everybody, but here's what I was thinking. Do that in the next few weeks so that we have all the intel from y'all so that we can discuss that in September. In October, the board will meet in person in Vacaville to decide on a model and potential candidates or candidate for the DS, depending on the model. And so um, that is hopefully gonna be decided on October <clears throat> so that we can then go into the January board meeting, knowing what the DLD is gonna look like, knowing what the theme of the DLD will be, things of that sort. <clears throat> and then March, we have the DLD and we vote on the new DS. We don't vote on the model according to our bylaws. You know, that's, you know, your local church doesn't vote on your model, but they vote on you as a lead pastor. And so we'll bring before the district a vote on whoever the new DS is. That DS will then also share the model, but the model is something that is decided more in-house. So, but we want, as we've mentioned many times, we want your feedback um, and insight. So that is it. Um, again, like I've said numerous times, Email us, text me, uh, give me a phone call. Uh, you can also contact the other board members um, that are here. Let them know what you're thinking. Um, even if you weren't able to fill out the survey and you're like, man, I really would love to offer this to the district. Email me so that we can kind of have notes of that so that when we do move towards these models, we can tap your shoulder and um, utilize you for district ministry. So let me pray for us. And I'll let you go. If those of you guys that want to hang on, you, you can hang on. But um, thank you guys for being here. Father, thank you for this day and this time that we've had together. Thank you for um, being a God that invites us in to what you're doing, Lord. And I could just imagine how we mess things up sometimes. Lord, I think of times I've done projects with my kids and they mess it up. Um, and I think I could do it more quickly and more efficiently, but um, I enjoy being with them. And Lord, we know you enjoy being with us and what we get to do for you. And so Father, may we not get so tunnel vision on our ministry that we lose sight of you, that you're there with us, you're empowering us, um, you're just enjoying us. May we know that you enjoy us and that you like us and that you're for us, that you delight in us. May we know that as we serve you. So we thank you, Father, for being that type of God. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Thank you for joining us. If any of you want to hang on the line, um, go for it. Otherwise, the rest of you, thank you. Have a good day.